Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Hello, friends. My name is Dan Holland, and I am excited to be with you today. I get the privilege of sharing with you. I'm just a messenger about what God has been doing. My guess is that if you're tuning in right now, it's because God has been at work in your life just as he has been in mine and as he is in his people around the world. But something has happened in all of this pandemic. God has been shaking us up and causing us to ask, Lord, what is it that you want us to do with the faith that you've given us? How do you want us to do it? How do you want us to go about this and, and, what's, and why? Why? Well, let me pray and then we're gonna jump into this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you, Father, for how you are at work in the world today. And thank you for how you are at work in each one of us. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Live in us and live through us. Most of all, Father, I pray that you will be glorified. I believe that's why we exist, to bring you glory. And it is to your glory and praise that I pray, amen. Just at the beginning of this year, Beth and Ashley and I had just returned from India. We were there to see the great work that God is doing through Mid-India Church Planters, and we were able to share the gospel with many in the church there. It was an exciting time, but we, as soon as we arrived back in America, not a week later, I mean, I, I wasn't even done with my jet lag, everything stopped. Literally, it felt like to me that everything came to a complete and sudden stop. It was like somebody accidentally tripped and hit the cosmic pause button. And it was, it was strange. And yet, in that moment, all of us started asking, what's going on? Whatever it was, something was happening all around the world. And what we want most of all is to ask, Lord, how are you at work and what are you doing throughout this time? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about today. Because what happened during that time, and may still be happening in some ways in your life, is a loss of predictability. And whenever there's a loss of predictability, one of the things that happens in our life is there can be a loss of confidence. You know what I'm talking about. If, if you're used to leaning on something or counting on someone and suddenly you lean in and, and they're not there anymore. Or you sit down on a chair and it can't, it, can't hold you, it can't hold the weight of you. Well, you lose confidence in it because the predictability of it is gone. And that's what's happened in our world. I was talking with a friend of mine recently and he said, we were talking about a crisis of faith that he has been through and it's, it's been a long, long journey. And he said, to be honest, I never questioned whether or not there was a God. I, I always believe that there's a God and that, that God's up to something. He said, what I began to lose confidence in is whether or not there was a plan. Is there a plan? Now, how many of us can relate to that? Hey, God, is there a plan here? Is there a purpose here? You know, it's not the first time that the church has been scattered. It's not the first time that the world has gone through utter and complete chaos, and it may not be the last, but that is the feeling that we get. We get the feeling, Lord, what is it that you want me to be doing? 
how do you want us to go about this and, and remind us of why? Because of this scattering that's happened in the church, it made me think about the book of Acts. Because in the book of Acts, the early church had been scattered. It's, it's interesting because when Jesus Christ started the church, he was raised from the dead. He came to his followers and he said, here's the plan. And this is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then in Judea and Samaria, a little bit wider uh, circumference, and then to the outer ends of the earth. So that's the plan. You're going to start in Jerusalem, you're going to move to Judea and Samaria, and then you're going to go to the outer parts of the earth. Well, the way history tells us it happened is for the first 10, maybe 15 years, we're not really sure, the church really did grow and, and it thrived in Jerusalem. Now, I don't know if there was a plan in Jerusalem to take the gospel to, to Judea and Samaria, to, to take the next steps of the plans that Jesus had shared with them, but God knew exactly what he was doing because Acts chapter one, verse eight, turns into Acts chapter eight, verse one. And it says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. You see what God did? He took circumstances that were beyond the control of his followers, and he used those circumstances to bring about his plan. So the answer to my friend, I wonder if there's even a plan. I would say, yes, there is a plan. So what is it, Dan? Tell me what the plan is. Well, I don't always know what the plan is. I know part of the plan, and because I ask the same questions. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do it? And, and, and why? I remember when this pandemic first started and we were isolated to our house. I thought, well, I need to do something. I, I, need, I need movement. So I went and bought a bicycle. Now, I had ridden a bike years ago. I had wrecked it. It was, a, it was not a great bike. It, so I, I don't want to brag on it, but I would ride six, seven, eight miles but, at, at a time. But then years happened, maybe a year and a half. I just got lazy. Well, when the pandemic started, I went and bought a bicycle and I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to take that bike and every day I'm just going to go out and ride. And I did. I went out the first day. I went about a mile, maybe a mile and a half. I literally thought I was going to die. I came home huffing and puffing and sweating and thought I was going to die. And I'm like, this is a bad plan. Furthermore, it's bad for my health. But every day, I would get home, jump on the bike, and I'd go for a ride. I thought it happened much quicker than it did, but I have an app that tells me where I go and how far I go. And uh, I learned that it took me about two weeks to build up to two or three miles a day. Now, I'll go out in a day and I'll ride 15, 16, 17 miles, which don't be impressed by that. But my point is this, in order to get somewhere else. You have to leave where you are and you have to get started. And sometimes God uses the scattering effect to do his best work. You see, what he did in the first century is he scattered the church through persecution. And I think now one of the things that's, that's being done is he is scattering the church. Now, in no way at all do I say that the way that the church has always done a thing is bad or it's wrong or it's ineffective. I don't believe that at all. But here's what I do believe. I do believe that God has a plan 
and that he's working out that plan. Now, I want to show a diagram to you because I've all, I keep asking the same question, just like when the pandemic uh, happened, I thought, well, what am I supposed to be doing so that I can uh, work out and stay active? How am I going to do that and why? Well, what I decided to do was buy a bike. I started uh, riding. How was I going to do that? I was just going to do that every day. Why? Because I wanted to be healthy. Although it didn't feel healthy at first, I wanted to be healthy. Well, I asked the same questions about, about how God is at work in his church, because I do believe God is at work. So if you look at these large, three large circles, you've got, Lord, what are you doing? And what do you want us to do? How do you want us to act? And why? Well, what are we supposed to be doing? You know that's never changed. The what is the Great Commission. The Great Commission is in Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus was raised from the dead, and this is what the scripture says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them to observe or obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely, I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I want to point something out. Regardless what happens, God is with us. He's with you right there in your home. He's with you. If we've never met, he is with you just like he is with me. But he's really clear. You know what I want you to be doing? I want you to take this great commission seriously. I want you to be on mission. And I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize them. I want you to continually teach them. We believe that God is calling us to create a network of churches that are finding training, and equipping people to be on mission. It sounds simple enough, but it's actually impossible unless it's God who is leading it. Now, the first big circle I want you to get your, your mind around is the Great Commission. The second one is, how do you do that? Well, it was interesting because Jesus was asked the question, uh, what is the greatest commandment? And they were actually trying to trick Jesus, trying to get, you know, trim him in, put him in a box and, and get him to say something where they could argue with him. Matthew 22, 35. So one of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. I love it when people try to trick Jesus. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, here's what they knew. There were 618 commands for Jesus to pick from. But Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because all of the law, capital L, and prophets, capital P, hang on these two commandments. What Jesus was saying to them is, you want to know what the greatest command is? It's to go all in, all the time, with God. Trust him. And when you cry out to God, how do you want me? What do you want from your people? His answer is going to come back, same as it did to Habakkuk uh, thousands of years ago. He said, you tell the people, my people, that I want them to live by their faithfulness to me. He said, I want you to go all in and be all in with me for what I am doing. 
And then he said, the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. But then he said something shocking. And that's why this is the how. He said, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. And what he was saying is the law, capital L, refers to the Pentateuch. All of the, 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 the law of Moses and the prophets, the rest of the Old Testament, he said, every command of God hangs on those two commands. You see, what he was telling them was, if you love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbors yourself, then you will never violate a command of God. Isn't that crazy? Now, let me share with you the why. In John chapter 15, we find this, what I call the great connection. Now, when I shared this with our small group as we were prepping to ask, what does God want for us? The concept of connection came because the truth is, we can do so much without God. We're fairly talented. God has blessed us with wealth. And even if that weren't the case, don't you sometimes get the sense that, you know, I, I can do a lot without him. But in John 15, we're given the why. Now, we're going we're gonna to get down to the why, which is down in verse 8. But let me start in verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the world, word I have spoken to you. If you'll remain in me as I re also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Let me stop. You see, one of the great things about this whole pandemic, it's reminded me of the importance of connection, of connection with God. It's not enough for me to believe in God. It's not enough for me to be good. It's not even enough for me to believe in the mission and to believe in how he wants me to live. I mean, I've always said, faith will tell you what to do. Love will tell you how. He says, no, that's not enough. You must be connected to me. And when we are connected to Jesus Christ, when we walk and live by faith, he is the one that produces the fruit in us. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that wonderful? It means, it means I can rest in that. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Not you might bear much fruit, you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And here it is. This is the why. This is to my Father's glory. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Do you want to know the why? Here's the why, my friends. The why is we want to make much of God. What God has called us to is not, it's not one church driven and it's not ego driven. What God has called us to is he has called us to be connected to Jesus Christ. Now I want to take this one step further. You'll notice that when the three circles all come together into one place, there is a, right in the center, there's a place where they all meet. You have, you have the com great commission, you got the great commandments uh, that Jesus gave us, and then you've got this great connection. But in the center, I believe that that is where um, God wants us to be. I call it the ecclesia, or the called out. That's where I want to spend the rest of my life. 
I, I literally want to spend the rest of my life following God at what is called the radical center. I actually looked it up. I thought, what? I thought there's certainly something that this is that refers to this center where these three circles meet. And I found that where three or more circles converge in the center, you find what is called the radical center. I want to be somebody who goes all in and all out all the time, like it's the fourth quarter with 30 seconds left on the clock. And don't you? So you might ask, well, what are my next steps? So God is calling us. Maybe you believe God is calling you. Uh, you have a sense that he is calling you to reach a certain group of people, or maybe he's calling you to reach a certain place. If it's a people or a place, and it usually is, then the first thing I would tell you is, is pray. You're connected to Jesus Christ. You know the mission and you know, you know how to love. You know the what, you know the how, and you know the why. So pray. A second step you can take, if you believe that God is calling you to either start a microchurch or to be a significant part of a microchurch, then reach out to one of us. Let us know. Because again, our vision is we believe God is calling us to create a network of churches that are finding, training, and equipping people to be on mission. And what is our mission? We want the mission of every microchurch to be. We hope that every microchurch that is a part of the network will believe that we exist to glorify God by helping people move from lost to found and from found to fully formed in Christ. A third step you can take, trust God. I know that we are in a process of experimenting, and I know that if God has called us to something, He will provide everything that's needed. And that's what gets me up in the morning. I love the fact that God is going to use me. He's going to use you. He's going to use your microchurch to make, not just to make a difference, but to save people for eternity. I love that. And I love that even though I'm in Central Florida and some of you are in Texas and I've talked to people in Montana, I've literally talked to people from California to Massachusetts, from Montana all the way to Florida. There are people that when I share this, this Venn diagram with them, they say, I wanna hear more about that. And I'm talking about church leaders and I'm talking about longtime followers of Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about people who may have for years been on the fringe who say, you know what? God has been working within me in the same way. I think God is drawing me into something like this. Just reach out. Be okay with the fact that you don't have all of the answers. So whatever God does with us, my prayer in the end is that he will be glorified. We're going to make much of God because we belong to him. God bless. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.